Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Very special episode today. Joining me today is everyone's favorite oomphy, an industrious bitch with a goal, and someone who The Cut magazine once referred to as a Connecticut-based politician. It's Hale McSherry. Hi, Drew. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be here. I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm having the coziest afternoon. It's pouring rain in Brooklyn, and um, I've just got a, a little cup of tea and I'm talking to one of my favorite people. Oh I'm really God. excited to be here. Oh, mm-hmm. hush. That is, um, how do you say, I always say Higgy, but I know that's not how you actually say it. Like, do you know what I'm, like, oh, H, yeah. Yeah. Like that Higa, Danish thing. Yeah. Higa, mm, yeah. yeah. Gonna butcher it. That's so Higa though. Like I- It is, it's a very, it's, a, it's exactly what I'm feeling this afternoon. I'm kind of in a similar place here though. It is like, it's that weird time of November where it's not quite winter vibes yet, but all the leaves are off the trees. So everything looks kind of like skeletal, at least from where I'm looking at. And it's like gray day, like. And you just had your first snow. Yeah, yesterday we got like a half inch. Truly like it, you would not believe like, it's so fascinating to talk about the weather on top of this podcast, but like, I love snow. <laughs> I have not gotten to experience snow in like two years now. Um, so like I, one of the perks of like being in Chicago, crazily enough, is like there is winter here. Um, yeah. And the snow is like- Gorgeous, when, gorgeous girls love snow. Oh, and I thought never gets cold. <laughs> the two tenets of wintertime frolicking. But yeah, no, the snow for like a good 15 minutes yesterday was like going down so hard you couldn't see across the street. And then like mm, 10 minutes it. after that, done and it all melted like you'd never know it, anything had happened like it was so crazy i love that snow i want to get like snowed in though huh snow is only bad when it's old when it's coming down it's great oh yeah it's it's pretty it's like the peanuts piano music is playing like diegetic <laughs> music it's it's gorgeous it's it's winter it's seasonal but yeah like the slush the dirt not as fun and then like they preemptively put road salt down on everything so I ruined like three pairs of shoes yesterday so like it is going to be a long winter um there this is a historic day though because this is the first episode we're recording post Brittany being free how are you feeling about it I know hallelujah it is I mean we have to have some good news right like and Mm -hmm. it's great to see that I think everyone should feel validated that people were able to bring attention, like literally raise awareness about a subject and successfully see change occur. How often do we get to see that these days? Almost never. I mean, it's, it's fun (laughs) to see like political action work for a change, but though like my relationship with the free Britney movement has been so like up and down. I feel like almost, I remember when this first really popped up and like, I don't know, it must have been like late 2018 
when like mm-hmm. that podcast started and like people were starting to like stitch together clues and like all this I thought it was like a little not to use Twitter's favorite word but like parasocial and weird and I was yeah. like leave this woman alone but then the whole time she was like actually sending messages to people and trying to like that's what blows my mind yeah, yeah. like <laughs> wear yellow tomorrow if if you need help or something like that like she there was a lot to dig into so and I and everything's parasocial and weird these days yeah like that's what celebrity is and um it just so happens that she's like this lovely incredible talented and like deserving soul and who is under this horrible horrible um these horrible circumstances yeah and to see change occur yeah you gotta live for something right (laughs) exactly like and it truly could not happen to like a better person almost like I mean we're like of the exact age basically where we've spent our entire like culturally cognizant lives with Britney Spears Mm -hmm. and like it's been really such like a roller coaster and a journey with her to like I I hope she doesn't like work again or whatever like she doesn't want to work again so just I hope she can just chill and like do her own thing and I don't know if we get like a like a, a, a like a reunion album or whatever 20 years down the line like sure great yeah I'm fine with her just you know, like, she's she really won the like 20 year nostalgia cycle that mm-hmm. we're on right now with the 2000s and like early 2000s yeah um it's funny that it's happening right now this like storyline um in pop culture uh exactly as we're celebrating like 2000 or 20 years since this major aesthetic movement like we see it in fashion we see yeah. it in like music um and then also just in like what who people are talking about in celebrity like um didn't Paris Hilton just get married too? yeah I, I was gonna say like yesterday alone was this weird like syzygy of y2k like princesses like resurfacing mm-hmm. between Paris getting married um Britney getting freed and whatever the fuck Lindsay Lohan is doing for Netflix, like <laughs> it's like and Lindsay Lohan her. is in a Netflix movie. <laughs> yeah, I but mean, like that's good for her. That's more than what she's been up to. I mean, I was um I was talking with a friend earlier today about Lindsay's last five years, like a straight guy who had no idea what she had been up to, and like explaining to him that she is like permanently relocated to Dubai has this mm-hmm. like crazy like Turkish accent and is like shilling for the Turkish government. Nightclub impresario, like oligarch friend. Do you it's remember a weird when she pivot. was, do you remember when she was like the spokesperson for like LegalZoom or like lawyer.com mm-hmm. or something like that? What mm-hmm. was that? <laughs> a quick buck. Had a, like, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's, if you, Everything about Lindsay Lohan has always been so dark. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's gotten to a point where it's just so overwhelmingly dark that we have to look away. And it's so hard. Like we're in such like a car crash culture still with like celebrity, like Googling celebrities oh, yeah. and like kind of like dancing people to misfortune. They really got the brunt of it as a individual can as an individual one like could have at the time I think given the way that we related to culture at like the turn of the millennium and now I mean with after you know 10 plus years of like ubiquitous um 
social industry of like social media and stuff like that. Like, I feel like celebrities have been diffused so far, you know? Oh yeah. And maybe we're just like, I would like to think that we have a little bit more shame, but I think it's less shame and more like borderline performative, like empathy. Yeah. Like, cause people are still, um, like really quick to like jump down people's throats, like celebrities throats about like stuff that is more or less out of their control. And I'm not like advocating for celebrities right now or whatever, because like, I think that's a losing (laughs) battle, but I don't, I don't know. I think everyone still has the same like predatory tendencies that they did like 15 years ago. It's just that it's not cool to bully people anymore. I'll say celebrity rights. Yeah. Like (laughs) celebrity (laughs) rights. I mean, um, that I, we still build up celebrities so quickly and then are so excited to tear them down. I'll never forget um, Jennifer Lawrence. Like oh, yeah. watching her become like everybody's sweetheart. And then like six months later, she was a joke. Like yeah. Anne Hathaway. Like, I mean, this is such a, uh, <laughs> this is such a gay conversation that people have all the time. <laughs> but like, yeah, that's what we love to do. I feel like even this week alone, like, um... Anya Taylor-Joy got like taken down a few pegs just because she was like the maid of honor at the Getty wedding or whatever. I'm like, yeah, like it's not a good look maybe like that. A lot of people have been saying this, but like that wedding did have like fall of Rome vibes for sure. But what are you going to do? I'm sure they're actually friends. Like (laughs) they've been best friends for like years and years and years and years now. Mm -hmm. Like, their mutual best friend like is Anya's stylist now and like designed like the wedding dress or whatever for Ivy Getty that like hideous like Pippin regional production <laughs> gown oh my God. But, like it was not good but like yeah I I you're not gonna like skip your best friend's wedding I'm sorry like that's yeah how can you mad at someone for being in their friend's wedding I mean yeah did you see Last Night in Soho yet? I have not. No, I haven't either. I have heard really, really, really mixed things about it, but like I love Edgar Wright and like Maud London. So I'm probably gonna. But man, what a run. Any. Anya? She's, Anya? Yeah. Anya. Anya. I think it's but, Anya, but like it doesn't feel like it should be. Like I know. I know. But you know what I'm excited for? Nosferatu. I hope she's playing the vampire. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> Ooh, I would her, actually like, full, love that. Full, Oh yeah. Because she's doing the Norseman too, which is like Bjork's grand return to acting. I guess they're all like Robert Eggers movies, but like she really picks interesting projects and she's like good at like fashion and imaging. She seems like chill and fun. Like I really I get well I feel like you also watch SNL a fair amount too. Is that like fair to I dabble. say? Yeah. I dabble. I feel like it's not like fashionable to watch SNL anymore, but like I do watch a lot of it still just because it's such a habit for me at this point. Yeah. Like, I've been doing it. I for love so long. Um, Bowen. I love, yeah. I love a bunch of them. Like, and um, so you got to give them a chance. And it, it's all on YouTube so quickly. Like, I know it's, it's so easy to find. It's so accessible. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I think it's fine. Like a lot of it's like corny or whatever, but like I think Bowen is so funny. Like Chloe Feynman, I think is so funny. And it is a great um, way for celebrities to show personality. Like, yeah. Imagine Adele. Imagine Adele is a celebrity right now if she uh, was on SNL. She was exactly. so good. Exactly. She's so funny. She has such a great personality. Even like Kim got such a huge boost. I feel like for 
I yeah, mean, doing basically the bare minimum. Like she, but it she was, was funny. She was. It funny. was funny. Like, does she have comedic timing? Not necessarily. But neither do like a lot of people who are on SNL right now as regular cast members. It's like, <laughs> all right, well, here we are. But okay, I think we have to move on to our first segment. So, Absolutely. speaking of Brittany, we are going to play "Go Call the Governor." I'm going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history, and you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. There are no wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? Gotcha. Cool. Amen. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's get to our first topic. Grimes' new all AI girl group, NPC. Does the governor need to be called? Absolutely not. Okay, speak on this because I, I, I have to be honest. I've not listened to the song yet because I was not. I have not been in the right headspace to like tackle that yet. I don't trust Grimes's uh, uh, taste in projects right now. What's the show that she's on on network TV for? Oh, um, God, I always forget like the name. Avatar. It's, it's like the Avatar singing show. Yeah, and like it's, two of them. Yeah, who is it? Oh, it's got Alter Ego, Alter Ego. Alter it's ego. like her, Alanis Morissette, I think, Alanis, and um, Nick Lachey, who are- I mean, talk about a quick buck. Like, I mean, they yeah. probably filmed this show in like three days. And she got like the most, I mean, every, I think she's like ascended from like who to them status because of the Elon thing. But, like, Elon? The, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, but like, I feel like this is, it's really weird to think of her judging a reality TV show just because she doesn't feel like she's like, she's like tabloidy famous more than musically famous right now to like, I think the general public, which is weird, I think. Is she tabloidy famous? Like, do people care? Yeah, my, my mom definitely knows who Grimes is because of Elon and not because of her music. music. Yeah. Uh. What a world we live in. Crazy world. But like, I, I feel know, like people imagine. who didn't know she was a singer, like now know she's like this weird, like Canadian imp. Who like <laughs> in the best crypto. way. In the best way. Yeah. But I don't, I like, I, I mean, the uh, Miss Anthropocene, like that's a pretty good album. I definitely, I definitely listen to that. Um, but I, I'm, if we don't see anything as good from Grimes going forward, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I can, I can see, I can see a decline era, like, this, the idea of, like, an all AI girl group is not novel, even, like, she's not the first person to do this, like, there's that, like, KDA group or whatever that I think is, oh, yeah. I, I'm not, like, a gamer, like, with a Y or otherwise, so, like, <laughs> I don't know, I think it's like League of Legends or Fortnite, like one of those two, but like they got, it's like Madison Beer and a bunch of like Korean girls. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> but like, they're like, they're, but they're like cartoons, basically. It's not like. Right. And this is, no, this is like a ripoff that. of that. So, I mean, and, you know, thematically, I feel like Grimes, you know, is, is, has always been dealing with um, this sort of like transhumanism, like yeah. disembodied, um, Type of thing so it totally makes sense for her and, and it's a place a direction that she should try going in is she going to sell it as an nft or something like <laughs> um i don't i haven't been able to take on enough with that <laughs> like yeah. that she is just such a like a crypto girl right now that like 
and I don't know. I really liked it when she was just like your garden variety, weird transhumanists with like visions and archangels and like the Elon into like misanthropocene era is when I sort of started like falling off with her falling off. But like, I like the music, like those first two albums are so good. And there's a lot of stuff on like misanthropocene that I really like too. Um, yeah, no, it definitely hits. Like she, um, she's very talented. I, I, um, I only want the best for her. But I'll, I'll give this this girl group a try. I don't think we're gonna call it governor though. Okay, that's good. I no think, governor of mine. I, I think I'm, I'm excited. To like, I'm excited to see where she goes. Like, I like it when she gets a little poppier too. I think she's really good at pop music. Like, I like how she like fucks with it a little bit. Um, but she has like a. I don't know. I'm. I would like to see her like write for some artists or do some like collabs. Like Ooh, yeah. I feel like she could. What's your be, favorite like, Grimes collab? Ooh. Um. Is this a collab? Like I, the song she did that was supposed to be for Rihanna that she did with Blood Pop Go from like seven years ago. But Ooh. I don't know if that counts as like a traditional collab though. Um. I don't know what's yours because like I feel like all I'm thinking of are like poppy songs now which I like definitely would not I love um pink with with oh, Janelle yeah. Monae that's, that's just great. a great song yeah that's a great song music video is so iconic too like mm-hmm. that album is great too I feel like people don't give I feel like Janelle Monae is like weirdly underrated for some yeah. reason yeah yeah she is and and if that album had beaten uh golden hour at the Grammys I bet people would talk about it more but yeah it was kind of down to the two of them and golden hour is you know so it's a classic right? yeah you can't you can't say it's not a classic but okay we're going to move on to the second topic the phrase let people enjoy things does the governor need to be called oh yes we need to make it illegal yeah yeah like i i will call my my state senator about that <laughs> like <laughs> That's the level we're at. We need to make that phrase illegal. That's a, sorry, you go first. I just, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I hate this phrase because it's such a cop-out to deflect from genuine criticism about something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like it displays like a lack of awareness because there are some things that are always going to be like, taboo for one reason or another and you have to like kind of understand someone else's point of view to um to understand like the levels of of difference there I don't know it's hard to unpack yeah like I I do just I want to say that like I would like people to enjoy what they want to enjoy but I also like I just hate how this phrase gets like weaponized to like inoculate fan bases from criticism or like to like protect their like special little snowflake kind of things like yeah. I I've this I feel like I was really hearing a lot of this with like Ted Lasso fans recently which like is a show I don't watch like maybe I will but like I'm less likely to watch it I feel like because the fan base is so like let people enjoy things you know it's not that I I think you should, you should you shouldn't judge people for what they enjoy. What right. they like when it comes to media. 
like what they like watch or like take in or like um or the art they the culture they consume the art they consume i think that is is generally a bad idea overall but the the you still should be able to judge the art like yeah and i think a lot of people are i think a lot of people are able to acknowledge when they like something even if it is bad or has bad politics like that's what you have to kind of come to terms with there's definitely a tension yeah. in our like kind of culture that we're participating in no it, it is like it is a big tension and it's not easily resolvable but like i feel like you have people digging in their heels on both sides of the divides like i i i do find it really annoying when people are like overly critical about stuff and like are so like like banging pots and pans like about how much they hate something like whether like i see a lot of like hate about like um this week like search party like search party getting announced for like their last season like there were a lot of people people hitting on search party this week yeah i was like surprised too because i like i don't know i really like that show i'm in the middle of a rewatch of that right now Mm -hmm. um and like i don't think it's a perfect show or whatever but like there were people who were like, if you like this, like you're an R word or whatever. And like, no. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like what's going on here? Um, well, you know, like online, it's like people just go crazy over, over things like that. And that's like oh, more yeah. chum for the like machine, but the, the um, shows themselves, like a lot of people, I think fail to judge shows that they watch based on like actual quality versus like how they relate to them um yeah i think and the relationships they form with them the big show i always think about with people projecting their own sort of like desire for normalcy or comfort or stasis onto is schitt's creek which is a show i really enjoy but has definitely been co-opted by like literally gun in my mouth for saying this word but tender queers who like are really Mm -hmm. really really like using it as an avatar and like a security blanket yeah no but i am absolutely a schitt's creek defender i think people got jealous they got a lot of awards you gotta admit and like i think they deserved most of them but you watch the show and like it took me three or four tries to get started on it It, yeah um, the first two seasons are a different type of show like oh yeah it is a different show and so you have to kind of power through and then by like season four all of a sudden like oh I love these characters I'm invested in their lives like and I was really pleased with how it ended I was like yeah like come on this is Schitt's Creek this is like white gay excellence for once like (laughs) for once yeah for once like the it's a show that actually like I don't remember who like made this video or tweet but like I think it's from 2019 like this woman was talking about how like half of the jokes in like comedy tv and comedy film right now are like not jokes necessarily but like Mm -hmm. reactions to things that are happening like wacky things that are happening yeah like people being like don't go in there or like really like Like really is not a joke joss whedon like sense of humor has infected everything right and like schitt's creek like i don't can't speak for ted lasso like search party those are actual written jokes mm-hmm. and i think like we have to at least applaud the applaud the craft you know <laughs> like we can't yeah. 
Like we're, we should be and thankful. And I love a tightly written sitcom. Like, yeah, like a, a solid sitcom is a great art form. I have recently been rewatching old episodes of Modern Family. That yeah. is a like tight show. Yeah. That actually has like jokes and like scenarios too. Like they have mm-hmm. like full like physical gags and stuff. Like yeah. it's good comedy. And like, I think 30 Rock is the same way too. Like it's just- exactly. Like, if you can write, like, 15 jokes in a minute, like, that's, or fill a minute with 15 jokes, like, that's, like, genuinely impressive, I think. Yeah. And the hit rate's usually pretty good. I don't know. I just, I get annoyed when people, but, like, people should be allowed to, like, criticize things, like, as long as it's, like, well-thought-out criticism or whatever. Yeah. And people, well, people cling to these these shows and these um, works of art and these you know, uh, pieces of media that they form an identity with and we're encouraged to. And then they take it really personally when when their identity is, is like criticized. Yeah. And maybe that's just a, a cautionary tale about the dangers of like projecting too much into a piece of media because like- Yeah, we say as we record a podcast, which is- <laughs> Don't turn the mirror back on me. Not today. <laughs> Sorry, too, quick, too, <laughs> no, soon, too soon, too soon, too soon. Too soon, like- the I the abyss is like gazing back at me and it doesn't like what it sees right now. So okay, speaking of the abyss, we have one more final scenario here. Mm-hmm. Katy Perry dyeing her hair back to black. Does the governor need to be called? Call the governor. We have to celebrate it. It it like I am a, I'm a I'm a closet Katy cat. I don't know if you know this about me. I don't know this about you, but I love it and support it. So I bought Smile like multiple times. Wow. I'll, okay. uh, this is actually the most vulnerable thing I've said, and I can't believe it. I'm saying it on the podcast. I did. <laughs> I think I've bought so... it at least once or twice. I definitely have it on CD. I don't know why. I love Never Really Over, and there's a bunch yeah. of a couple other songs on the album that I thought were pretty good. Um, but I really uh, like the run of singles up to that album way more than the actual album itself. Like Never Really Over, I think, is like an all timer Katy Perry song. Mm-hmm. even like harley's in a hawaii which i really did not like when i first heard it like has grown on me a lot but yeah, like i no, do I... think it's it's crazy as someone like we have also been around for the entirety of her like career at this point for yeah. her to have gone from like the biggest pop star in america arguably at like one point in time to like one of the biggest flops we have is and I'm sorry to like attack you like this on the podcast. Well, no, I'm, like... I'm not taking it personally. We just said we don't take it personally, right? But right. The, the, um, she, I think it's a natural length for a career for most pop stars. And like, if you still have, she's always going to have, um, you know, one of the best pop albums of like the century so yeah. far, Teenage Dream. Like, and uh, if she go- goes and does her little Vegas residency, I would love to see it. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's good for her. She is married with children. Like, she's on American Idol like that is a fine career and she's making 40 million dollars a season on American Idol like she is objectively Mm -hmm. fine by any metric I just feel like her drop-off was so sudden and I mean not to like I probably shouldn't talk about this but I have talked about this on the pod before like the first when I worked in music business the first album I worked on was Witness (laughs) and to be in the room in like the the like the Katy Perry strategy room as that was rolling out it was like 
that not to jump ahead but like that thing in spongebob where like all <laughs> the spongebobs are like running around like shredding paper and like we forgot it's his on name. fire we threw out his name yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it was really um like you to watch a flopping in action from the inside is so like it's like until it happens to you you know like you never <laughs> want it like you never want it to like it's so easy to like look in from like a fishbowl at it but like it's not any and it's not any it just feels like her like relevancy just like dropped for some reason i do think like witness was like a miscalculation from yeah it was 2017 we were all we were all crazy we were so crazy back then (laughs) and honestly like like, dyeing her hair blonde was not a good idea and uh, and the haircut then then. with uh migos and the drag queens uh i'll defend it's an iconic era it's an iconic flop era you should as you should but Smile is like a flop era that's not even iconic, though. No, correct. You're right. It's not iconic. Um, you have to, you got to admit it. But uh, yeah, I, I think I don't mind her. I think she is um, cringy and funny and she has some incredible songs. So I'm excited that she dyed her hair. I don't know what is next for her, but I'll I'll stand. I'm, I'm here to stand, to, or not stand, like, because I do... I think she's talking a lot about like the real pandemic is the infodemic these days, which is a little too. Um... Oh, she's like a she's like a Deborah Messing liberal, like. Yeah. Yeah. Debbie Messy, like it's not <laughs> you know. There's a lot of there's not like there aren't a lot of positive signs out of that camp right now, but like I do feel like she could have one more top ten song if she just like picked the right person to like hitch her wagon to. I yeah. don't know what that looks like, but like, I don't know. I, I could see her being, um, I'm trying to think of like a figure who's like sort of managed to do this, like a Mandy Moore type almost where she can like, obviously Mandy Moore was like way more of like a flop during her music career than like Katie was, but like I could see Katie, Katie pivot to acting too. Yeah. Like I could see her on a, some sort of like sitcom thing like get her like an hbo sort of i would want to like a Katy Perry curb oh my god wow that would be that would be great have you i i can't imagine her acting i remember when she was on snl she was funny but i don't think she ever host did she host i don't think she ever hosted but she always did like skits and sketches and stuff as like a cameo i remember like yeah in 20 no, she did host once. She did host once, but I don't remember the episode because she hosted and Robin was the musical guest. Ooh. Like oh call God, your God. girlfriend era Robin, which is like Oh my God. That it's so weird though when like the singer is the music is the host, but they're not the musical guest too. Like Adele did yeah. that last season. Ladies she, and gentlemen. Her. 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 Yeah. yeah <laughs> iconic. And like um no, actually that's the only thing in recent memory I can think of. But like that is like, that was such a weird like 2010 time capsule because I'm pretty sure Robin did like call your girlfriend and did like the windmill, the windmill arms. Of course, you got to do the windmill like, arms, yeah. And these, I, I don't know why I remember that performance so much. She had like that like crazy mushroom hair that she had back then and like the platform like dolls kills boots before like all the girls were uh. wearing dolls kills like. I love Robin so much. Me too. Like, mm. 
I just someone yeah. who's not flopping, rapping. No, no. Like maybe Katy Perry should just like make a hyper pop album, like just lean into like the gays because I feel like she Did has. Katy Perry like, go to Sweden for like a year and like <laughs> just like pick up camp some out there, crap. make an album there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like go go hang out with like the like um go hang out with like Robin and her collective. Like, Did you say go, that like, Katy Perry hyper pop? She's not going to be <laughs> a Katy Perry PC music era. No, like she's like, too. She's kind of like a mom. She's like an, a mom now. Uh, I don't like and, and don't take. Please don't take this out of context. I don't like it when pop stars are mothers because no, that Ooh. sounds bad. But like I don't take, like it. Take. I don't like it. Like <laughs> I hate like motherhood albums. I hate like. I'm married now, ain't I a stinker kind of albums. Like it's not satisfying. I don't know. Like I, so I don't want like women. everyone to be in their like hoe phase or like sad depressed art girl phase forever, but like you can pretend. Like <laughs> I don't need right. like positivity right. bobs. Got What's it. your favorite Noted. Katy Perry Noted. song? Never really over. Wait. Okay. That's your all-time I mean, hot favorite. And cold. Oh yeah, I think What's that was my, that's my favorite. I was listening to that yesterday. Actually, I was like, this really like hits pretty well still. That has it has not aged a day. Um, no, I mean like, you know, we 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 hold on to pop stars for too long. I think um, you can't. Not everyone can be Cher. No, not everyone has like the stamina, um, and we need to you know look into new ones sometimes maybe we all yeah. should be standing Ava Max right now like well let's say that because <laughs> I I'm, I've been like banging the drum for Ava since basically day one um I'm happy with that I, I'm happy to like there are a lot of like D-list pop stars who should be like way bigger than they are like I've been really into baby queen recently and I feel like people don't oh, know who I baby do. queen is her, yeah. she's great mm -hmm. so yeah get into that like we don't all have to be like like it's good to be a Katie cat, but like you can wear a lot of hats at once. Yeah, and you collect them like Pokemon or whatever. Yeah, like, no one else, like, who, but just wants one hat. That's mm -hmm, not fun. exactly. I don't know. Okay, well, anyway, we we, we must take a break, but we will be right back. <laughs> and we're back. Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Hale, what are you rushing to the ER today? Drew, I <laughs> I need your help. Okay. I am I I feel like I feel like cultured out lately. And COVID, you know, is has been like a mind scramble. And now that we're on the other side of on the other side of it largely. Um, I'm looking back and I'm thinking about all these things. And and I guess the the only place to start <laughs> is um I think SpongeBob made me a gay socialist. Well, I'm glad you're here to talk about this today. This this is the first topic that has like made me feel acutely like a therapist. And I'm excited to like unpack where we are. So I've been looking for a new therapist. Oh, perfect. Okay. Well, if you're looking for like an unlicensed faggot, you've come to the right place. Um, <laughs> so SpongeBob, I think, is like the jumping off point for a lot of people our age in terms of like culture and humor. Humor, culture, I mean, it's it's a very, it's like a micro generation thing, right? This is like yeah. a show that started in 1999. I would say it really only was in its stride from like 1999 to 2004. Um, I recently rewatched the um, Spunder Squarepants movie, which came out in 2004. Mm -hmm. Like 
it was definitely a specific moment. It's still on TV now. He's like, you know, Mickey Mouse level of, um, of staying power. Yeah. But uh, it definitely is a micro generational thing. And even if you just, if you spend any time online in any uh, uh, social media like space, you come across really lasting and enduring images. Um, the likes of which I feel like, you know, you don't see from any other, uh, much other animation, except for maybe like The Simpsons. But that's even a different generation before us, kind yeah. of. No offense. And like, <laughs> there is, and I don't, not to get reductive on this podcast, but like, it does feel like The Simpsons is a little bit more straight skewing almost in terms of like cultural yeah. touchstone points. And like, SpongeBob obviously is very like accessible from every angle or whatever. But like, I definitely feel like SpongeBob, out of like all the animation, has is like that's the gay touchstone basically well yeah i, mean, I don't know what else say, it would like, be the the moral panic about spongebob being gay in like 2002 2003 do you remember that yeah like there's like the episode where spongebob and patrick like raise a child together like th- those those aren't just queer coded they're queer like yeah <laughs> it is it is pretty accurate and i think like the um the type of life and relationship to the world that is like uh, used as like the basis for the comedy in it is is inherently queer um, in that like you know other animated shows other like um, animated sitcoms are mostly like family based yeah and this is a show about um, <laughs> like a single adult man um, yeah his two best like male friends um, SpongeBob okay Squidward come on like yeah Squidward is also, and Patrick, I mean, it's three different gay <laughs> types um, and their relationship to work, like the relationship to um, their community and their place of work, yeah. uh, which I think is unusual um, as, a, as far as animated sitcoms go. I mean, it's and, literally uh, looking, but under the sea. Oh, it actually is. It actually is. Yeah. Yeah. So Bikini Bottom is San Francisco. Um, man, <laughs> looking, you're canceled for uh, it's cricket for topping SpongeBob. <laughs> um, and then, then I mean, I've there have actually been SpongeBob writers who have said like we 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 were sneaking left wing uh, messaging into the show. Yeah, um, since it is about like uh, a worker and his relationship to his boss, like um, and uh. In like a blue collar wage industry too. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Completely mistreated. Um, The episode where they go on strike. So Mm -hmm. SpongeBob as a, um, as a cultural touchstone, I think for me represents a very fundamental, like part of my sense of humor and my relationship to like media in general. Cause it was, I was a very young child watching this show. And now I feel like I could recite like half the episodes from the first couple of years. That's, um, I am in the exact same boat as you are. I want to touch on the movie really, really quickly too, because I watched that last year in like the height of like pandemic madness or whatever. And mm-hmm. that movie holds the fuck up. It's so funny. So like well-constructed. Every joke is I hit and like, so like weird and queer too like i always think of that moment at the end um at the end 
of like the goofy goober at the goofy goober like music video essentially <laughs> where patrick is like fully surged up and does this like tawny contain mm-hmm. like high-heeled spin into a split like i cannot believe that is a joke in a kid's movie come on bikini bottom let's get sickening yeah no it was a it was a full moment um yeah but and i mean the movie there's a the whole uh emotional like plot is about masculinity yeah it's about like they're they're um they're real men like they have those must the fake mustaches i think they're mm-hmm. real men so they're brave and they could do big things and um the that is absolutely a queer narrative i think i mean anything where masculinity actually gets examined feels queer to me because straight men don't do that like that's the, the whole problem with masculinity is right. that i feel like straight people never take any time to unpack it um but i i you know one of the things i'm thankful for i think being a gay man is that it has uh forced me to reckon with my relationship to masculinity and like and at least move towards trying to trying to find a healthier relationship which i think is present in this in this character in uh, yeah in the spongebob like sense of humor um and maybe that's like childish of me but you know aren't we all childish these days especially in covid exactly like we're all regressing to like our basest selves and like if your basis self is us is like rooted in spongebob honestly i think there are like way worse things <laughs> to be like because yeah it's genuinely funny stuff like it's not mm-hmm. i mean it's not like we're all like i don't i like god i feel really bad for this like generation of kids who are all gonna grow up with like slightly british accented speaking voices because of like <laughs> fucking peppa pig like that was that God. was the side up all along they're trying yeah. to like they're trying to classify like like <laughs> it's a british psyop the entire time yeah um no thank you doctor i'm sure this will be like what 250 dollars for this session this set, oh yeah no yeah. <laughs> first but, one's free um, um you know you're in covid i was also like watching old spongebob episodes um in covid like regressing on all these media things and um so i had a lot of time i'm sure as you did to like unpack your relationship to some of these things and you know i had a really weird uh uh transformative relationship with um the horror genre in Mm -hmm. uh covid um did you experience this at all so yes and no like i so i really do like most horror movies as long as they're not too gory, um, just because I have a tough time with gore, like Saw is not for me. Um, I had to watch Hereditary in like chunks over the course of a few months, just because it was like too much for me really? to take on. And, yeah, like I'm, I have a hard time with gore, and especially like gore and like really overtly like jump scary stuff. I don't usually watch by myself. So the horror movies I was watching over pandemic were like psychological or like ghost story stuff. Like I watch a lot of like Korean horror movies weirdly, but like a lot of like, I was not like rewatching. I mean, like we were going to talk about, we're going to talk, I think a little bit about like Halloween kills and stuff. Right. Yeah. I would love to. (laughs) Yeah. I like, I have not seen that yet because I know that that is going to be a little too much for me. Even just going off the trailer. I'm like, I get that. No, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, but, and it it does feel like, um, it's almost like exercise for the, for, like, your emotional state, like, like, they can be stressful to watch, they can be, like, 
but I think I definitely reached a point maybe because in COVID, like I was freaked out for a while, especially the beginning. Like I was like, life was scary. So it's like the people who watch contagion. I was not one of these people, but the people who watched contagion, like the first week of, of quarantine, literally that's why would you do that to yourself? (laughs) You're sick. You're a very sick person. Why would you do that? Like, but I definitely had these moments where I think maybe it was an outlet to like direct those feelings of fear you know you take one thing you regress into childhood with like cartoons and you're like reflecting on that sort of thing but then I think regressing or um or focusing your fear on a um or your anxiety on a um on a fictional it's like being on like a uh um, treadmill for your anxiety (laughs) and um so I literally had a moment I had not I had seen this movie once before or something like that but uh, in April of 2020, where I watched every single movie in the Halloween franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only that, but I uh, tracked down a copy of the out-of-print uh, novelization of the first Halloween movie from Whoa. 1978 on eBay because I wanted to read it. Um, it was the most expensive book I think I've purchased. Jesus Christ, uh, yeah. <laughs> but so it was a weird moment for me. But um and so I was so excited to see Halloween Kills. And you said you haven't seen it, right? No, I, yeah, I I actually have not seen the reboot either. Um, or like the, for, the 2018 one, like yeah. for basically the same reason. Like I, I just, I, so the trailer was too it, scary. I'm sorry. It just was. You, know, you're, you and I, you love like pop culture, like culture, pop culture, and analyzing it. Like, I think, I think that's fair to are say. So yeah. ripe for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like horror movies are so much about that for me because they really do reflect like cultural anxieties. Yeah. And so, like, watching, um, watching Halloween in quarantine, I felt like, you know, I was, I was at home in the suburbs and, um, and it was a, it was so nice to have to not be like in New York uh, to have like space um, to be with my family, uh, but Halloween the plot generally especially in the first one which is the best one um, is about this like unthinkable horror horrific thing yeah happening in such an idyllic like calm suburban uh, location yeah. And there's no motivation. relatable for that reason. Yeah, it's just, it could happen to anyone. Like, it's like the most primal fear about someone like invading your space and violating you so suddenly and like at at random. Like, that's like so terrifying. And that first, like, I've seen the original first movie and it's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Like, yeah, really? I guess so. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I have a big fear of home invasion, though. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember in, gosh, I must have been like 12 years old. My mom and I went to go see the Jack Black movie Be Kind Rewind in theaters. Uh-huh. Real throwback. <laughs> and we we were there and they played a, tr- um, a trailer for the remake of Michael Hanukkah's Funny Games um, with like Naomi Watts and Tim Roth, where like these two- It's supposed to be crazy, right? It is banana scary crazy. It's like a home, (laughs) it's like the most harrowing home invasion thrower you could possibly imagine. But the trailer itself was so scarring for me that I had nightmares for like a week 
And I was like, oh, a, yeah. I was like 12. Like, I wasn't like super, super young. And mm-hmm. I just like, I, I think that really like has informed me. But no, like, Halloween is like very scary for like the same reason. It's just, it's a little tamer almost, but like. When I reached a point where, I mean, especially slasher movies and that type of horror movie, it really relies on like an unrealistic level of credulousness from like their characters right like people yeah. do stupid things and that can take you out of it um so i feel like the best ones are the ones that are most like true to life or feel like they could really happen i definitely relate to that um halloween kills was interesting though because um it takes place on the uh same night as the as the 2018 one so it's like yeah. after the events um and so uh it tries to tackle with like the um effects of this like level of horror on a community. I don't think it succeeds in doing that, but I think it's a noble effort um, because, you know, when you watch something like that, that's also something I'm thinking about is um, if this exists in a world where humans are like acting like human beings, like won't there be um, major community uh, effects? Um, I mean, I think Scream does that, but have you seen Scream? Yeah, I've seen, Scream. Scream. I've seen all of the Scream okay. movies, yeah. Okay, yeah, I think it's interesting how those do that too. Um, yeah, I'm not like, I, I mean, I really respect horror fans that like dig through everything and watch all of these like and really enjoy. I don't, I don't really like bad horror movies yet. I'm not saying it won't happen eventually. Yeah. But people comb through everything and watch so much. And, uh, but there's still so many good ones. The other one that I had a crazy experience in uh, quarantine was with um, The Shining. Yeah. One of my, You've seen maybe that. my, it's my favorite movie probably. Have you read the book? I have not read the book, weirdly enough. I, and it's for the simple fact that I think the book is going to make me not enjoy the movie as much or vice versa. Like, I know there's different enough. I know that, like, Stephen King is not a big fan of, like, the Kubrick version. And I know the themes are so different in the book than they are in what ex- is explored in the movie. And, like, I like what's explored in the movie and I like I, I, that is like the world to me, like that visualization, I cannot imagine being changed. So that's literally just why I haven't read it. Interesting. I mean, yeah, it's so iconic. The, the, the world that is built in the film. I um, read the book last year Yeah. and then I left a book club on it. I was like, this, I, I, it's a great novel um, yeah. on its own and uh, it's freaky to read and it is quite different. And I have always just been, um, or since reading it, I've just been floored at how well um, they both work. I mean, like trying to adapt the novel literally um, at the time in the 70s would have been really disastrous. Uh, but Stanley Kubrick being who he is, even though he completely fucked up um, Shelley Duvall in the process, yeah. uh, which is also horrifying. <laughs> um, so horrifying. So the, but it, uh, yeah, I really had an interesting relationship to it. I think at that point, um, being cooped up uh, in the house with the same people uh, felt like a relatable plot line. Yeah, um, that, I'll say, yeah, that that is like, <laughs> it's such a claustrophobic movie, even though that set is so like expansive in a lot of ways, like mm-hmm. it really does a good job of like, and I mean, this really becomes, it's like a metaphor made pretty literal at the end of the movie, but like how like nature itself is such a prison in a lot of ways. And like the world around mm-hmm. you is such a prison in a lot of ways. Um, 
and I think that my favorite um, works in the genre are built on a tragic structure. Like yeah. the book is very much, um, it's in five parts. Like it's about uh, a family. It's about class anxiety. It's about like the American dream. Like it's, it's very much like a work of American literature. Um, mm -hmm. The Shining, the movie, I think is also in a really interesting way, even though it was made in um, the UK, but it is also kind of like a work of American literature. Yeah. And uh, I think like there's a bunch of, I mean, that's one of the backbones of um, Hereditary too, which yeah. we were just talking about, like we, it, we can't escape. No, I, I, to me, there are three modern day horror classics, let's say that like gay Twitter, especially cannot get enough of. And those are Hereditary, Midsommar, and I'm sorry for pronouncing it that way. Like, I cannot stop. It's like, I like reflexively like do peace signs with people still like when I'm saying <laughs> hi, which is so, such ill behavior. Like I should just chop off my fingers at this point. Um, <laughs> but I also say Midsommar too much too. And I'm not going to stop doing that. So well, people don't know what you're that. talking about if you say Midsummer. People, people won't, people are like, well, what? I'm not, I'm not going to be that kind of asshole. Like I'm annoying and I'm gay, but I'm not like pedantic. Um, but Hereditary Mitzmar and um, the Suspiria remake. Oh yeah, I thought we were gonna say Scream because people still. Oh yeah, yeah, Scream. I mean, Scream <sighs> is like an eternal touchstone, though. Like, I feel like I don't know why it's not fair to like lump these two movies in together, but like I always think of Scream and Scary Movie weirdly as being like a package deal, even though yeah. they're going for two wildly different things. I I think it's just because like. I mean, the, like, scary movie really hits a lot of the plot points of the original Yeah, they both, scream. like, deconstruct uh, the yeah. genre. Yeah. In, like, very different ways. And, like, they'll, oh, I mean, Scream is, like, so much more of, like, an actual horror movie. But, like, for whatever reason, I always just, like, bundled those together in my mind as more, like, God forbid, old school touchstones, I guess. And we, um... On an episode a few weeks ago, my guest and I talked about the upcoming like Scream 5 trailer mm -hmm. and how like it looks pretty bad. Like, you know, we'll I mean, see. It, it looks both like too serious, but also like a little too like. It's like it's so like winking and like self-aware that like scary movie would have made fun of like how like <laughs> i'm sydney prescott i always have a gun or whatever i'm like that is like a little like i mean it's just the sequels game it's a it's a game of diminishing returns right it like, is and like i'm worried that they you can't do that movie without wes craven or whatever but like anyway yeah r.i.p but like her okay. back to hereditary like do you think everyone is, who's using the yassification meme has uh actually seen hereditary I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I genuinely don't Or is don't it only know. people who have seen Hereditary who are using it and we just think it's everybody because it's our demographic. You never know these days. Well, we have like such lobotomized brains at this point that like it truly, Correct. you couldn't tell me either and I would <laughs> believe you. Like I, I think it's really likely that like there are a lot of 15 year olds who are like yossifying themselves who just have no mm. idea who Tony Collette is, which is mm -hmm. wild to think about. And maybe we're, and maybe that's just because we're like the elders of the internet, like when you scale it out. Starting to like, be, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I do love that yossification trend so much though. And I think it's just, it's so funny to me that like the fan camps that are going on right now where like she's like screaming in horror at her burning husband and then like Luna starts playing. (laughs) Oh, I like the, um, I like that that we're getting some uh, Sophie plays on, uh, on a lot of them. Oh yeah, because like you can go a step past yossifying someone into like completely surging them up. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just, like it, it's it's rude, but also weirdly, I think a fitting tribute. Yeah, it's we have the technology. Like, we have the technology. <laughs> the yossify like, beam is here. A generation raised on like kid picks is now finally seeing. Oh man! I like the BFA and kid picks is like finally paying. Well, also like our relationship to ourself. I mean, the image of ourselves like is is so different than it was even ten years ago, fifteen years ago. Like just because of um, of selfies and pictures, and you know, like I'm not even on. I'm on TikTok, like I'm watching TikToks, but I'm, yeah. I'm not posting on TikTok. Yeah. I think I posted some, like a few paltry TikToks here and there to see like if anyone needed to see them. But um, it's hard the, as hell to do that. Like it's so hard. You have to have like that are video skills and stuff. But the younger kids do, like the like Gen Z below us. Um, yeah, it, it they they really do. So they have a completely different relationship to their body and their face and their their self, the image of themselves. Um, because I mean, even compared to like instagram where you're posting pictures on tiktok you're like a moving choreographed body and i have yet to um get that far in my uh in my internet performance myself i think no like maybe maybe our faces are not the front of shop (laughs) in the way that is healthy for us or like we're like capitalizing on yeah i guess what the internet has in store for us but like I don't I'm I'm pretty content letting like the younger generation take the reins on like meme culture and like absurdist humor like I really I like we've talked about this on the pod before but like I really hate how like a huge segment of like Gen Z is so like puritanical in this like Mm. it, it really does feel like 2011 like Tumblr discourse like circling back into like this new like And yeah, I, I don't know. It is so like, it. yeah, like there's a difference between like respecting other people and then being like complete weirdos about like, I don't know, like feeling bad or whatever. Like just because you're like annoyed or like you feel like cringe embarrassment does not mean you're like neurodivergent or whatever. It's like mean to say maybe, but like we need to, we need to have every generation has this like time, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's unusual that we all are in the same space quote unquote online because yeah. that's like the problem with with the monopoly of social media these days like it used to be that like you know i was on like neopets when i was a child and yeah. like in like and like on forums and stuff like that like that was that was my first foray into like the internet as a young person so i wasn't on posting the same places like you know 20 and 30 year olds like talking about business and crypto or whatever like no and like so much of that interaction was like fundamentally anonymous and when you Mm -hmm. moved into like a less anonymous space with like myspace and facebook and like i guess twitter to a lesser extent but like 
that was still in a very like self-contained network of like people you knew in real mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. now like so much of socializing is like through Twitter, through TikTok, through like, you know, Instagram stuff. Like you're, you're like maturing into like a public self in a very different way than like what we were doing. Yeah. And that's yeah. weird. And like, it's no shock that like people are like recycling the same discourse that we did 10 years ago because like people weren't around for that. Like the mm-hmm. same, like the person who was like, who's like throwing the, wor- the word around like neurodivergent, like it's like, um, or like these days was six when we were talking about like ace rights <laughs> or whatever. Right. <laughs> so it's not like. Well, we're talking about ace Nicki Minaj uh, mood board. Um, <laughs> that is no, like so the, zooming uh, zooming into a wormhole right now but. <laughs> the so i'm reading this book right now um i yeah. really recommend it it's called uh the twittering machine by richard seymour mm-hmm. and um i read a couple of these this year uh these books that are coming out about like social media criticism and, and its effects on society and stuff like that and um this one is good his main thesis seems to be that like we are constantly writing. We're either writing something like, you know, productively or we are writing like uh, social media content of some kind or interactions, or we're writing data for big tech companies that just by participating in it, you know, and clicking through things and stuff like that, um, which is ultimately giving them value and making them money. um, And we're not getting paid for it, obviously. And uh, it, it's kind of breaking down like a lot of these um, questions about, you know, there's that Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, which yeah. is is a good like starting place, but it's very dramatic and it's very like, um, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I think a all these the claims top. that the like the internet is still a scary place, I think is like pretty specious at this point. Like everything's scary right now on a base yeah. level. Like the internet, I think like, you're finding community out there in a way that you never could. And it feels like it's less anonymous than it ever has been in a lot of ways. So like, I feel like if anything, it's like, I don't know. It's not, it's not scary. It's not like the boogeyman. Well, just, like it used it's to scary be. that it exists, but it's, it's going to exist like from yeah. here on, like the, um, it, it is connecting us more than ever, but we probably weren't meant to ever be this connected. So yeah. um, I think there are better ways to cope with it. And unfortunately the, the way that it's going with the people that are running it um it's not going in the right direction but Mm-mm. um that the other book that i that i always recommend to people is um how to do nothing resisting the attention economy yeah by jenny odell um which, when we say attention economy on this podcast by the way a big bell clings and like balloons there we come go down. that's yeah. the secret word yeah <laughs> like um figure it out like oh yeah. i'm gonna get slimed <laughs> um yeah i mean it's it's okay i definitely i spend a lot of attention on that on that concept because you look around and it's like I don't understand how people um watch as much tv as they do I don't understand Mm -hmm. how people see as many movies as they do like I um even I look around I'm like where is my attention yeah and that's why I've been trying to like I think uh you know reading books is probably the best antidote like people were doing it for hundreds of years before uh we had phones and yeah um it's uh it's been really helpful this year to focus more on that but um, you still look around and, and that's the only thing that we have left to decide, like to discern where it's going to go. And there's a lot of competition. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm watching like three to four 
hours of TV a week lately. And <laughs> this week it's been catching up on um, Real Houses of Salt Lake City. Yeah. Which was definitely worth it. television, yeah. Yeah, no, that was absolutely worth it. I would absolutely give my attention to that. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, that's like, we, we talked about Beverly Hills last week, but like, yes, I mean, Salt Lake City has been like, it's weird to call reality TV prestige TV, but like, I honestly think that like Salt Lake City is giving legitimately compelling drama that does not feel like fake or it's giving me cultural anthropology i feel like you know this is a culture that is very excuse me that is very alien to me yeah i grew up in connecticut like i i utah is a different part of the country and um you know i'm also very i i have always been really interested in religion and like in culture and the this is a housewives franchise that deals expressly in that like religion is a major part of its um of its storylines yeah. because it all affects him differently. And, and also just being in Utah, um, the Mormon church uh, is ever present. So yeah, it's very different. And, and it feels like a cultural uh, anthropological experience. And th- there, there's enough like religious and like just general diversity among the ladies too, that it feels like you're not just watching like I don't know, like big love in real life or like sister wives or whatever. Right. Like it's like, <laughs> yeah, th- it is like of it's this society that's informed by this overarching religion right. that like even if you are not Mormon yourself, you still have to like operate in this like arena. And I think that's really exactly. interesting to like it's interesting to see. And also like whenever like um someone gets arrested it's wild <laughs> just on a, like a primal level like when things yeah. get like really true crimey on that show it's like it's always fascinating. Well, yeah we're in the we so, are like the true crime generation can i say that is that a thing <laughs> i think that's fair to say i mean you're not talking to someone who is like i'm a i watch law and order special victims unit that's nice. it i'm that not counts. doing <laughs> i'm not i'm not listening to like my favorite murder or whatever like i'm no i mean yeah there's definitely very um like valid cultural critiques of like true crime culture but yeah you know i was i was born in uh 95 not to flex on anyone but the like that was literally the year of um oj simpson right yeah like and then talk about something that changed the culture like talk about a cultural emergency yeah (laughs) oj the original cultural emergency one might say um for like two years and i and Mm -hmm. uh you know i i one of the books i read this year was the book that um was based on or that the brian murphy series was based on the jeffrey tubin um oh yeah uh people versus oj simpson so i really like had a moment where um i was diving into that and realizing like this is a a single like event like this media circus uh across two years at the end of the century that like encapsulates so much about America and American like tragedy in the 20th century, like covering uh, race and gender and celebrity and uh, like sports, like it, it has its tentacles in so many places. And that's why I think it was such a cultural emergency for so many people. Um, and that's the star that we were born under, right? <laughs> that's the culture yeah. we've been in our entire lives. So. And it's, and I mean, how how could you react to anything else other than to yossify it? Like, 
we have to yassify and that's what free britney was too yeah that was they, that was yassification for for the better good <laughs> yeah you can harness it for good you can harness it for like absurdism like the like tony or like like my favorite tiktok um influencer right now is um the artist formerly known as Captain Crook. I feel like, I think her- Oh my gosh, Alex Kinsani. Alex Kinsani, yeah. She yeah. is, I mean, I have no words. Yes, like dream dream guest mm-hmm. on this podcast, honestly. Like I, I I need to like pick her brain because- I would like, die to run into her. I feel like that's possible. <laughs> like she's, I'm looking, she's I'm, always I'm, like- My eyes are peeled. She's yeah. out and about. She's so funny. Yeah, but I mean- <laughs> but that is like a fully yossified person who is like using their talents to just like put unadulterated silliness out into the world and like not and like that's what it is loop mm-hmm. it back to spongebob i guess like yeah that's what spongebob was doing like our brains are still primed to like search for that sort of like absurdist like queer coded like dumb funny stuff as like a bomb and these trying times or whatever. I think you're right. I think it's, you know, I came to you with a problem. <laughs> I came yeah. to you with my like my post-COVID um, uh, therapizing needs. And I think the, the solution is like, yeah, things are messed up these days. Yeah. We don't know what is gonna happen next. So it is absolutely within our rights to look for the absurd, like find the silliness in things. Like, you know, <laughs> even if it's spooky or scary, like yeah. it's still gonna be silly. And and have fun while we can and like and keep our eye on the ball. Like in term like morally upright, we're looking, we're making good choices, we're following along, but we gotta find the uh the silliness these yeah. days. I think I that's think absolutely within our rights. What a beautiful beautiful sentiment on this beautiful day um I do I think that's a perfect segue into our final segment actually so we've done a lot of like unification today like I am of course aren't to a community organizer but Mm -hmm. you now (laughs) you are gonna have to tear that community apart now Mm -hmm. because we're gonna play tear the community apart so Uh the rules are very simple here I've picked two songs and you're gonna tell me which one is better Okay, cool. Sounds easy. It sounds easy. We'll see. So <laughs> I have picked these two artists, each collaborated with one of our mutual favorite artists, um, Charlie XCX, this week mm-hmm. um, on her wonderful new single, New Shapes. Um, which song is better? Caroline Polachek's So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings or Christine and the Queens' is Tilted? Ooh. Two alt pop like classics. Yeah, I'm thinking through my criteria. Um, I think. Oh, but it just feels like fatigue. If I say tilted, if I say tilted, it's only because something is going on at Spotify. You were in the mm-hmm. music business. Maybe you can mm-hmm. tell me about this. Mm-hmm. Something is going on at Spotify. Every road leads to "So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings" yeah. by Caroline Polachek. Or is it just me? Like maybe it's just my taste, but this happens to me so much. It is, I mean, it's so easy to be like, it's the algorithm, babe, but like it literally is like 
the algorithm. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is about that song in, spe- in particular that is like, I could be listening to Beach House, so hot you're hurting my feelings. I could be listening to 100 Gex, so hot you're hurting my mm-hmm. feelings. Charlie, more obvious, I guess. But like, yeah, there's something about that song that is so like squarely at the nexus of all these like disparate genres and stuff. Or it's just like, maybe it's just Spotify is like, like we're too <laughs> clocky at this point. And like, they're like, oh, there's a gay man here. Like, just give him this. Like, <laughs> the, so I don't know. But if I were to say, so hot you're hurting my feelings. You have to admit, like, it is a incredible cultural moment. Do you remember when people were making, there was, like, a meme of people making remixes of it? Mm-hmm. Or, like, mashups mm-hmm. with other songs? And it does have that, it does have a lasting power. I am, I'm seeing Caroline Polachek in New York uh, next month. I'm really excited about that. Oh, jealous. Um, but I saw Christine in the Queens in 2015. She opened for Marine and the Diamonds. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a so, wild concert <laughs> on Halloween in Chicago. Oh my god! Yeah, you are lucky. Like yeah. a devil, did, like a, the devil didn't come out of the ground because that's like there's a lot of there are a lot of things going on there. There's a lot of like chaotic queer energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do love her. So I, uh, man, uh, I'm gonna have to go with. So hot, you're hurting my feelings. I think maybe it is just that good. Tilted it is a great song. Um, and I am, I don't need to listen to So Hot, You're Hurting My Feelings as often as Spotify would like me to, but it is, it is that good. What a great music video too. So good. Yeah. Um, such a good music video. I really, really, really like that sort of like old, like medieval kind of like storybook imagery. Like the, like, not to like, dis- not, not a, not to like Disney-fy this, but also B, not me putting fi at the end of every like word <laughs> to turn into a verb. Um, but like, I, it reminds me a lot of like in the animated version of Sleeping Beauty, like the like storyboarded backgrounds Stop. and stuff, are which I think joking? are so beautiful. Yeah. That is a, that is a, like uh, an early childhood memory. Like is that, is like the storybook at the beginning of Sleeping yeah. Beauty, the Disney, like I said, like, you know, pretty colors. I was that young, like remembering yeah. that. Um, that is, I love that movie though. It's a, it's. I think Gorgeous. it's my favorite Disney movie, and I just, yeah, I like how like dark and angular it all is. It's very cool. Um, but no, that music video reminds me of it a lot. Yeah, um, I'm excited to see her. The, are you sick of Bunny as a Rider yet? So funny story. <laughs> I my boyfriend is until recently has not been like a big Caroline Polachek stand. Like, didn't actually know who she was until maybe last week um, when I showed him Bunny as a Rider and he is fully obsessed at this point and keeps just like out of nowhere saying like Bunny is a Rider. Like it's, (laughs) which is like what I was doing back in like July or whatever, like to myself. It's so catchy and it's like, yeah. I mean, it's sort of like absurdist, silly fun too. Like I like yeah. when pop is like deeply stupid and like, I feel like Bunny as a writer is like very stupid, but like in a good, mm. good way. Yeah. But it's also about yeah, like being like different. a realized woman. I think a lot of the, one of the problems with pop is that like, or pop music is that it, it's, a lot of it can be formulaic, but it can't be the same. Yeah. Like it's, you got to find a different angle. And I think like Caroline is still doing that. Um, Charlie XCX is still doing that. Um, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons I, I love her so much. Um, 
Yeah, we have a and gay man there's, on there's the podcast other people, today. Yeah. <laughs> News <laughs> no, I know. I, I fully agree. Like, I think Christine's doing that too. Like, I mean, there are a lot of people in this like alt pop space right now who I think are, they're making like very like overtly pop music, but like making it just weird enough and off of enough, whether it's like lyrically, like even just like so hot, you're hurting my feelings. Like, that song itself could be like from like a mid 2000s like mm-hmm. pop girly album like like with okay few, but people with... love that but then why do people <laughs> you know what else i'm a defender of i'm a solar what? power defender oh i'm also a solar power defender like that's what this is okay, this good. is safe space for that like is it <laughs> a great album no but like it's it's fine it's better than like it's her worst album but it's like perfectly good yeah and if you're paying attention to what she's saying it makes sense why it is that way to me like i see that i understand the the vision and it is kind of harping on the same like nostalgia um nostalgia machine that we're dealing with at this point in our in our future and like i my favorite song off the album is mood ring which i think a lot of people think is kind of like a stupid lord song but like i the first album I ever bought was Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. And mm. Mood Ring could have come right off of Unwritten. And I, but it's mm-hmm. like weird and good and stuff too. I don't know. I like, maybe that's just like my nostalgia. It's a great cultural critique. It's like a, it's a satirical song. Like, yeah, it's, it, sat- no, she's smart. It, it would scare people if people knew how smart she was. Who said, <laughs> what was Taylor Swift saying that about? <laughs> Is um, that about her? I think it was about her or Lena. It, it was about Lena. That would be so <laughs> funny. Um, <laughs> God, I love Lena Dunham so much. That that is like that's for another day, unfortunately. But I um, I don't know. I like I don't need like pretension in my pop music or whatever. But like, just like w- like make it like weird and fun. I don't know. Like I was going through um, I read the blog Pop Justice every week, mm-hmm. and they have a really good like aggregate playlist that like takes New Music Fridays from like U.S., U.K., like the Scandinavian countries, a few other places, and like ranks the stuff and like curates and I, I I've used them for six years now to get some like good offbeat pop that I probably wouldn't have heard otherwise but like this week's in particular really made me depressed because it's all this like it it's like six years later everyone is just making carbon copies of Runaway mm. with me and I'm like Ooh. just because it like sounds like the idea of fun does not mean it's actually fun Let's mm-hmm. come up with something else. Yeah. Oh man, I can't believe you're revealing your secrets like this. I, I feel like I hear about new pop music from you now. I can just skip the middleman. Skip. <laughs> hey, I'm a taste. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a taste maker. You're a like, taste maker. You're a curator. Feet, like Rumpelstiltskin under the table right now. But like, <laughs> I um no. I mean, it's it's a great playlist. Like, I'm happy to shout them out because they literally like. I mean, I could do like a whole episode on how like mid-2000s UK pop music was like the peak of the genre. Mm -hmm. And I have pop justice basically to thank for showing me all that. They got something in the water over there. It's great. And like that experimentalism never, is that even a word? Experimentation never really like cross the ponds and it's like <laughs> how do I don't know I mean it's good that we have dual leap I guess but I'm like mm. 
I'm like worried for it the new confused. Dua Lipa album because yeah. I'm like, what's that gonna sound like? When like, is I don't... that happening? She loves to ride her album cycle for like three or four years. Well, the, I thank God this one's like good though. Like I really like Future Nostalgia. Oh my God, I love it. I, it's great. Yeah, I live for it. <laughs> Literally one bad song out of 11. And like I thought, <laughs> I, I even like the remix song just fine. And like the the new ones that she did for whatever this like repackage were fine too. So like good for her. But like I, I both would like, I would love her to do more dance music like that. But at the same time, I'm like, you can't just do future nostalgia part two. Yeah. Like even Kylie, who's like probably my number one, like dance pop girl switched it up enough album to album to like keep the formula fresh. Yeah. It's like we're saying with Katie, like, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's it then because people get so invested in it. They, and maybe because pop stars make it look easy because they have all the resources in the world, but like people forget that it is really hard artistically to like sustain that long and to keep it fresh. And um, especially now where every culture is moving at a million miles a second, like it's, it's hard to even know what fresh will be, but yeah. we're lucky that we get some people who really do, do find it. Yeah. And those are the people who will like in, in 20 years, we're going to still be talking about Charlie XCX and Caroline. Will we be talking about BB Rexa? Only God, only God. <laughs> no, knows. but then think about so. like how many people in the 80s like were the same way. Like, you know, we, we know some names that were still around from the 80s, but like there's there's so many great songs that like that were from that time that you don't hear about those people anymore. That's part of the ecosystem. But yeah, <laughs> you know who I, I don't know if we'll be talking about. Oh, no, I shouldn't be mean on this podcast. I mean, no, I, be I mean, really be like, mean. Um, I didn't like Future Starts Now, the the Kim Petras. Oh, uh, song. yeah. I, mm, no, there were ideas I liked about it, and I I really like. If people are gonna do like music that sounds like mid early mid two thousands, like Daft Punk Injustice again, totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. But like, there was no hook in that. Like a pop song needs a hook, and that song yeah. barely had verses or choruses that were like distinguishable from one another. Mm-hmm. So and I've heard, I've heard that upcoming stuff is better. That's good to hear, but it definitely felt like, especially at that moment, I was like, oh, she had 2019. I saw, I was, I loved her. I saw her yeah. three times in 2019. Me too. Um, yeah. And maybe that was her moment. I mean, COVID, who saw that coming? Um, <laughs> who could have seen who could have seen that coming is it I, true that normani had an album that got pushed back because of covid yeah but also like her label is not well i mean like she and tanache like tanache is independent but like they're on the same label so like they were on the same label so like that they don't have yeah. a good track record of like marketing that kind yeah. of demographic of singer um what an industry what an industry, what an industry. Would want to be a part of it <laughs> it it's holly weird man i don't know what else to say but all right i you do escaped. think we i do think we have to wrap up the pod i'm like frowning right now you can't see it but I'm like mm. i've been having so much fun talking with you just like talking about this stuff and this was like we could go for like another two hours i feel like pretty comfortably like this was like mega madness like long <laughs> marathon but like good like i like you're gonna have to come back on for a sequel episode soon because this was like this is just me getting my podcast legs yeah I, you know i've been 
I've been listening to the podcast since uh, 2006. Yeah. Which I feel like is, That's is crazy. a long time. Um, I was such a little nerd. Uh, and uh, I think I recorded one with my friends when I was like 11 or 12. And mm-hmm. uh, it will never see the light of day ever again. Uh, and I think that was the last time I recorded something like this. So I'm really happy I got to do it with you, Drew. Thank you. Well, thank you. That means a lot. Like you were, a, this was such a treat. You were a, the perfect guest, like funny, informed. And I'm so excited to like, dive into more topics in the future but in the meantime where can people find you on social media um you know i feel like instagram is my like internet business card it's at hail mcsherry h-a-l-e-m-c-s-h-a-r-r-y um and then i'm on twitter i you know famously i i um deleted my twitter account last year mm-hmm. uh after having for way too long and after all the damage is done on my brain um so i have one with my 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 professional account that's where I'm doing politics from and uh, Mm -hmm. local stuff but um, just for more like fun and uh, stupidity my uh, pseudonymous account is Hallie McBerry H-A-L-L-E-M-C-B-E-R-R-Y yeah I don't know I'm I'm working through my branding aren't we all (laughs) aren't we all (laughs) I do have to say like I have we followed each other on social media for like four years now, probably. I have to say that every time I see Hallie McBerry, the just <laughs> the name itself pop up, I laughed myself. I don't, I'm like, I'm oh, easy like that. It's funny. Um, all right. It's my branding. You can find me on Twitter at FKA Pigs with a Z um, and on Drew or on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Z's. Um, and if you like Crisis Twink, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we also have a listener support option here where you can make an optional monthly recurring payments to support operating costs here, which is mostly just metal straws for my water bottles. But we're, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a living. It's a living. But um, ah, what a wow. What a moment. What a treat. What a um, fun time. Thank you, Drew. Thank, thank you, you, Dr. So Crisis much. Twink. <laughs> MD, PhD, JD, LLC. All right. Bye, everyone. See ya. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that you can now support Crisis Twink with a small monthly donation to help support future episodes and operating costs. There's absolutely no pressure to do this. Culture Pig and Crisis Twink will always be free, but any and all donations are highly appreciated. If you go to the show notes in whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, there should be a link marked listener support, and you can choose to contribute however much you want in just an easy monthly donation. So if that is something that you want to do, which you know, I mean, very chic look for you to do that. Very sexy, very cool to be financially generous. Come on, sugar daddy. Yes. Yes, God. Hunty, slunty, slay, I say. Um, it would be really nice if you did it. So, and it is very unhinged to be doing this. And everything I just said for the past like 10 seconds is so unhinged. But uh, yeah, absolutely try doing a donation if you can. Thanks. And on with the show.